BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. (sighs) Feels a lot better after a Hornets victory, although still uh, an overall fairly negative 48 hours for the Hornets with the bad news about LaMelo Ball's wrist injury. If you missed it, uh, he has a fracture in his wrist. He will be out indefinitely. But the Hornets able to rally around their fallen comrade, if you will, and score a 100-97 to win over the San Antonio Spurs, improved to 1-3 and on the road trip and heading to Houston next to try and return back to the hive above 500 once again. So we're going to talk about this big W for the Hornets, talk a little bit more about the LaMelo Ball injury and what it means, how we think fans should be thinking about this team in the aftermath of the injury, and also about the Hornets' spot in the standings. We'll do all this with our good friend, coordinator of digital media content for the Charlotte Hornets, Sam Purley. Sam, welcome back to the HHC. Thank you for having me. Two Sam's edition, and it gets even better, like you said, with a little bit of a winning touch on it. It does, and and there's so much going on, so we're going to get right into this again. We'll talk about the Lamelo injury and what it means for the Hornets in a little bit, but let's start on the win. 100-97, to clutch time is a dominant theme for this team, but as we learned in the first three games, in order to win in clutch time, you have to get to clutch time, and the team would not have gotten there without the efforts of Gordon Hayward on this evening. Puts it up from 10 feet out. No, left it short, rebounded by P.J. Washington. Rozier, lob for Hayward, and he'll throw it down. Hayward, 27.7 rebounds, 6 assists. He did most of his damage early in the game, did come through with some clutch free throws late, but I'll say it again, Sam, it's great to be a clutch team, but you can't be clutch unless you're in a clutch situation, and the Hornets' last three games have been unable to get there. Gordon Hayward 
uh, answers the call and makes sure that the Hornets are in this one and the later stages. So much about winning is putting yourself in position to win, to give yourself a chance. You saw these first three games, the Hornets, uh, first three games of the road trip, the Hornets just didn't give themselves a chance to win. You're not going to rally from 25 down in the fourth quarter against the Lakers or the Nuggets or somebody like that. So really, really impressive, tough victory. And this is a, a team that is always good. The Spurs always have a lot of really good players. They've only, it's only their second win in San Antonio since 2006. So it just felt like throughout the night, particularly that second half, every time the Hornets needed a play just to kind of keep the Spurs back just a little bit from really kind of taking over, taking control, or extending a run. They got it from Gordon Hayward. They got it from Terry Rozier in the fourth quarter. Um, even Malik Monk, Cody Martin, I feel like everybody kind of hit one or two of those shots or plays to kind of continue to keep that momentum to get the clutch time and then ultimately pull out the win. Definitely a great overall team effort. So Gordon Hayward does the work and the early stages gets the team into those clutch situations. And I think we should change the hashtag now, Sam, what do you think, from Buzz City to Clutch City? Can we take that moniker on? Can this be Clutch City now? Wasn't that what the Rockets called themselves back in the 90s? I think they've abdicated that at this point, Sam. I think that run is over. Okay, maybe when the Hornets go to Houston tomorrow night, they can work out some sort of exchange. I'm good with it. It can be the modern day... Clutch City Hornets 2.0. I'm good with it. I like it. Hornets now Clutch City. That's because the team is now 16-0 and when leading, entering the fourth quarter. And sometimes that's leading by a wide margin like they were against, say, Minnesota. But oftentimes it's a situation like the one they found themselves in last night. Up five, Spurs come right out of the gates and take the lead. So it was nip and tuck all the way to the finish line. James Borrego after the game talking about his team's ability to win again and again. Now a perfect 16-0, and the only undefeated team in the association, I might add, when leading, entering the fourth quarter. I like the number. I like the stat. I think it just shows when we're in games, this team finds a way. They just gut them out and they figure it out along the way. And this group really believes. When we get into fourth quarter situations and the game's on the line and we put ourselves in position to win a game, this group believes we're going to win every game. And you've got to have that belief. And I think... When we enter fourth quarters right there, you know, with the lead or in a good position, this group is confident to close out. And that's not easy to do. Closing out in the NBA is probably the toughest thing to do. And for this group to continue to do it over and over again, I couldn't be more proud of them. Sam, I think it's a a testament to the clutch ability and gene within the players, but also this coaching staff's ability to pull the right levers and put the team continuously in good situations, it's very difficult to do, but it seems like clutch time is Hornets time every time. And I think you know, what you just said about the coaching staff, not, nothing epitomizes it more than a little sequence in the fourth quarter there where I think the Hornets had a six-point lead. It was a Derek White three, and then DeRozan hit a three-point play. Hornets called timeout and drew up a perfect play to get Terrier an open three. I forget who set the screen at the top of the key, but really, really good out-of-timeout play. I think put him up 96-93 at the time. I mean, perfect example. Coaching staff putting the players in position to succeed in those clutch time moments and then the players going out and hitting it. Um, As I'm sure we'll touch on it, man, another huge shot to Terry Rozier. Um, You're almost surprised that those shots aren't going in anymore when the game's on the line those last one or two minutes. We'll talk more about Terry in a moment. He certainly got things going for the team in the fourth quarter of their 100-97 victory over the Spurs. One other player I want to bring up briefly, and I think he probably was the biggest difference between the first game against the Spurs, which they lost by 12, and this one, which the team won by three. 
and that's because the most important ability of all in the NBA oftentimes is availability. And P.J. Washington being available this time when he wasn't the previous time due to health and safety protocols, I thought made all the difference. Modest stat line scoring-wise, 10 points, but he has 13 rebounds, two big blocks, and one incredible sequence to close out the first half. Edwards standing on the logo, screen to his left from P.J. He'll take it. Drives inside, bounce pass for Washington, goes up, slams it down over Pirtle. Got it over the shot blocker. Ten-point lead for the Hornets. DeRozan, cross-court to Johnson. He'll drive, one on the shot clock. Blocked away by P.J. Washington with one-tenth of a second. He says, no, sir. P.J. Washington with as good of an end-to-end play as we've seen all season. I'm not sure you can do it any better than that. Really set the tone going into the locker room, giving the Hornets even more momentum. And again, his just presence on the floor, it's heartbreaking to see the team have to go without LaMelo Ball. But they do have other guards. We've seen it play out time and time again over the course of the season, Sam. When a big gets hurt, the Hornets have a really difficult time plugging that hole because it's just a big hole that they don't have the bodies to plug the way the roster is constructed. So not having P.J. Washington in Game 1, I'm not saying having him there would have made all the difference, but it clearly made a difference last night. I didn't even think about him not playing in that first game. I know they're down a lot of bodies, but I kind of lost track. I don't think Gordon Hayward played the first one either. But yeah, huge. And I think this was a really good matchup for the Hornets in the sense that the Spurs are not a huge team. They're not very... Big. They have Pirtle on the inside, at least for the time being parted ways of LaMarcus Aldridge. So you really have a lot of guys out there, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", kind of matched up well right in the Hornets' wheelhouse. And I thought the Hornets played well back on that February 14th game. They just ran out of gas, and they are completely exhausted with everything they had to go through to kind of stay in that game. But, yeah, great effort by P.J., double-double. And, you know, with LaMelo out, there's a lot of – you know, he does so much rebounding on his own. We forget the six or seven rebounds he picks up every game. That's a lot of boards out there that somebody's going to have to grab. It's not only a scoring and a facilitating holes that are going to need to be plugged. It's a rebounding one as well. And P.J. really stepped up to kind of get that. And Gordon Hayward as well had seven rebounds. Um, I thought the ones are really good, really aggressive on, in the rebounds. They got rebounds when they needed to and really limited first and second chance and on the offensive boards as well. Hornets get the win. Their 197 victory over San Antonio gets them back to 500 on the season. We're going to talk more about the Hornets and the standings relation to the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference, the road ahead, but we do want to talk more about LaMelo Ball. Obviously the bad news coming down the wire about 48 hours ago now that he has a fracture in his right wrist. We're going to talk about the developments with Sam Perley, coordinator of digital media content for the Hornets, after this on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Join us when the Hornets fly again Friday, April 26th at 8 p.m. as the Hornets host the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Eight on the show. Shot clock. Rozier, step back three on the way, buries it. Terry Rozier ripped the net cord, drilling into the lows. Three point shot. He's got 22. Hornets, 96. Spurs, 93. Hornets would end up winning 100 to 97, and Terry Rozier would end up with 24 points. Awful lot of them 
in clutch time. Sam Farber and Sam Purley, a two Sam's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Before we get directly into the LaMelo conversation, just a little bit more on Terry from you, Sam, because Buzz City, I said, is now Clutch City, and clutch time is most definitely Terry time for this Hornets squad. I like it. That one works. Terry time. I like the alliteration. That one that one will obviously work. We'll feel free to steal it. Get, feel free to steal it. Yep, I will feel free to steal it. We'll get a trademark. It'll be up and running uh, by the start of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, what more can you say about this guy? He's been, you know, time and time again. It's just, you can't really even, it's almost an unquantifiable element. It's just, whatever reason, when these games get really, really close in the final seconds, he finds a way to make the shot or get the play or come up big. I forget what game it was last week, maybe the Detroit game where he had five points the whole game and then scored 12 of the team's final 15 and hit two kind of daggers at the end to steal it. I mean, it's you can't really put a, a value or a, a price on what he's able to do and what he's able to deliver. You look at a stat line, it's a nice game, 24 points. The six assists were really good. I thought he did a good job picking up some facilitating, and it got to the line a lot, but it's hard to look at that and be like, there's so much more to that game, and he's just been incredible this year. A huge asset for the Hornets and a major reason they've been able to, again, keep that 16-0 record of third-quarter leads and still winning intact and winning in so much clutch time, so many clutch time games they have this year. Most definitely, and I, I like what you brought out there about the facilitating. I think overall we'll see Devontae Graham really embrace that starting point guard role and have even bigger games as the main facilitator. But when he sits down, someone else is going to have to pick up the slack. And I think it it seems, at least based off the first edition of it, that Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward will have a big part in splitting those playmaking duties. Again, the reason that we need to see who will take on that responsibility is because LaMelo Ball will be out for the foreseeable future with a fracture in his right wrist. Terry Rozier, after the win over the Spurs, talked about the injury. I feel for him, man. I feel for him. That's, that's, that's never easy, you know, dealing with you know, things like this, uh, hearing that you're going to be out for the season. And, you know, Melo's like my, like I said, he's like my little brother. I know him. I know how he worked. If it was up to him, he'd play left handed. And, you know, I just how competitive he is. But, uh, you know, he's just got to sit it down. Just got to, you know, just keep getting better and just stay poised. But, you know, I was with him all yesterday, you know, just trying to keep him. Love the camaraderie that's already been built up between LaMelo Ball and his teammates and that, uh, that brotherhood, that togetherness aspect, that, that teamwork, basically. Sam, we talked on yesterday's podcast, kind of the immediate reaction to the injury. What has been your reaction and your thought process on the loss of LaMelo for the foreseeable future in the last 24 to 48 hours as the news came down? It's been crazy. You know, you saw that Clippers game, you saw the fall, and you think he's gotten up every single time, he's going to be fine, and then kind of see he's laboring a little bit during the game, favoring it, and then the games kind of get out of hand. You pull him, then you see that he's probable to go into the Spurs game, and then unfortunately MRI reveals kind of the bad news. And first, it's really disappointing, and I think the sympathy should be towards him and, you know, what he's not able to do and fulfill his biggest passion, playing basketball, getting out there with his teammates and everything, and you know, it's less about the team. The team's going to find a way, but you feel for him. It's just, it's a tough blow. You know how much he loves playing. He's brought such a vibrant energy to the organization, um, which I think is going to continue continue on. And I think JB kind of put it perfectly this morning 
at shoot around. He said, you know, last night, which was Sunday night, you know, I had my pity party and I woke up and we got a game to play the A against the Spurs. So it was really not necessarily the biggest win of the year for the Hornets, but I think one of the most important in the sense of you just lost three, you know, kind of blowout losses. You lose Lamelo coming towards the end of this road trip, you know, dealing with a whole bunch of adversity and against a really tough team and a tough place to play and you find a way to win. Um, that's something you can go back to. Hey, if we can win that game in San Antonio after everything we went through, we can get through anything for the rest of the season. So it was tough, but I'm confident this team can find a way to move forward, and nothing embodied that better than that win over the Spurs last night. One thing beyond just the injury itself that has been a little frustrating for me has been some of the chatter, both locally and nationally, about what the Hornets should do next. So before I... Uh, establish you being either an ally to my cause or my punching bag for the remainder of this podcast. What are your thoughts on how the Hornets need to approach things moving forward? Are you in the, look, next man up, rally the troops, still have an ability to accomplish the goal that you set out at the start of the season, which is to make that jump into the playoffs? Or are you in this camp that we're starting to hear from, again, locally and nationally from some parts, that okay, season's over now, and we're just going to play out the string. It's definitely a, a little wrinkle in the, or big wrinkle, I should say, big wrinkle in the kind of how you approach it. I think we all kind of know what is coming up in the next few days, the trade deadline. So is there a way to address it? Do you want to address this? Do you want to address that? Like, you know, it's something you take into consideration, I guess, anytime you're trying to make an improvement on the roster. So, um, you know, I think there are all a lot of people that were brought into the Hornets to watch the Hornets because of LaMelo. And you know, maybe they're not all the way in yet. Hey, I'm watching it. That's okay. But the team's going to keep going. The team's going to move forward. You know, they still have 20 or 30, maybe 30 games left at this point. Exactly 30 games or 21-21. So, you know, it's tough. I think there's a lot of national media outlets that, you know, you're not really playing for those people. You're not playing for the, to be talked about on the ring or to be talked about by Zach Lowe on ESPN. It's nice. It's nice to get that recognition, but this team didn't have that last year, and they still found ways to get better. They're playing their best basketball at the end of the year when the pandemic hit and never really got to see the string out, and that was they continued to get better. And basically you have the same core as last year that's better, plus Gordon Hayward. So it's a tough – you know, I think this team isn't too concerned about who is watching and who is not. I mean, they're going to focus on themselves and continue it one, one game at a time. And, like you said, how many how many times has JB said the word resilient after a win this year? You know what? They're going to have to be resilient now for the next 30 games if they got away if they want to get into the playoffs at the end of the year. Well, they certainly have been so far. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, I've been frustrated hearing the, the people out there just kind of throw up their hands and say, okay, the, the season's over, as if there would be a net benefit to the Hornets to trying to, I don't know, lose 30 games, or I, I don't understand it. I, and, you know, for one, this team has put itself into too good of a position to just squander it from here on out. We'll talk about where they sit in the standings after the win over San Antonio. But also, you know, you look around the league, there are some teams that are consistently and constantly in rebuilding mode. And it's like, how many consecutive lottery picks does it take before you finally settle on these are the people we are going to try and work with to win. I mean, you can get into a a cycle where you're just constantly selling off assets to bring in draft picks to draft players and waiting for the one to show up. 
and you never get there. And I think, you know, look at the Spurs. The Spurs, the team the Hornets just beat, they're never in the lottery. And they've got all kinds of great established core players that they found late in the first round, early in the second round. They make moves, they find the guys, and they bring them in. They're not constantly having to draft top three. I mean, if you're a GM and you have to pick in the top five, top three, five straight years to put a decent team together, I would say you just don't have a great eye for talent because it's not as if those guys don't exist later on in the draft. And Mitch Kupchak has consistently over his career shown an ability to find those guys. You know, not everyone he drafts is necessarily a home run and all-star every time, but quite a few of them are. And just about everyone he drafts ends up being a consistent and contributing NBA player. So I just don't understand the mentality that, okay, one guy got hurt. Yes, he's a major, major part of the Hornets. But looking to the future, the benefit that would have come from LaMelo playing in the postseason, we still don't know whether or not that's potentially on the table or not of the taping of this podcast, but those benefits would be equally as impactful for Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham. So why not take the opportunity in front of you and go and and make that, you know, every effort to get in the postseason and get those benefits so that when LaMelo comes back, either in the playoffs this year or somewhere down the line next season, everyone is that much better for it. I'm definitely on your side with this. And I think this all kind of circles back to the start of last season, you know, in the the summer of 2019, Kemba Walker left, Jeremy Lamb left, Tony Parker retired, Frank Kaminsky left, you're basically starting with a whole slew of rookies and first year and second year and third year guys and I'm right there with you I don't think as organizations you get better putting yourself in position to not win every single night I think the reason the Hornets have had the success they've had last year is because they treated last season as a I hate using the word tank and they did not tank for last season they did not tank for draft picks they did not you know you don't get better by not putting yourself in position to succeed every single night they were finding ways to win last year the clutch time stuff started last year you know, they were a 500 team last year in clutch time, I think, after being way below 500 the year before. So, you know, I agree. It's externally. People, Lamelo has kind of emerged as maybe the de facto face of the franchise in the sense that he's the one kind of bringing in the national recognition. But this is a team effort. It's not just one guy. It's Gordon Hayward. It's Terrors here. It's P.J. Washington. It's Miles Bridges. Everybody that's playing a role in this and trying to get it to where we all want it to be, which is a successful winning top of the NBA caliber team. So, I think people, you know, I have no doubt this team is going to respond. You saw it last night against the San Antonio Spurs, and you can really see something special this next three or four or five weeks. Maybe it's Gordon Hayward going on a run. It's Tim Rozier taking on more responsibility. Devontae Graham really stepping up. I mean, something's going to step up in this next few weeks. It's just, it's just been the case all season. I just don't see it stopping now with one guy getting hurt, no matter how important he is to the success of this team. Totally agree. Mentality matters. I think a big part of the reason why the Hornets are so good in clutch times are so resilient is because of the mantra that their coach, James Borrego, keeps repeating over and over. It's drilled in over and over. Be resilient. Be clutch. Be accountable. And it shows up on the court. And I think similarly, if the message you're always sending, whether it's from the fan base or the media or whoever it is, saying hey, it's okay to lose because we just want more ping pong balls at the end of the day. That's what the purpose of this is. My buddy is a Jets fan. I was heartbroken because he spent the whole season like, can we please lose just one more time? As if, you know, there's no way the team could ever achieve something picking second. They have to pick first. They have to be the worst team in the league. I hate that mentality. It, it's it's not a lot of fun. So I, I love the way this Hornets team. By the way, one thing here, just before we go to break, 
One other person who loves the way the Hornets are approaching this and trying to win, LaMelo Ball. He just tweeted out moments ago, great win, gang. Love y'all. Look, this team is too good to throw away everything they've put together. And what exactly have they put together? Where do they sit in the standings? What is the road ahead? We'll talk about that when we return. Sam Purley, Sam Farber, here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Third and final segment of the HHC for the day. Sam Farber with Sam Purley, the Hornets coordinator of digital media content. Sam, thank you for letting me vent about my uh, disappointment in uh, there was a couple of blogs, podcasts, whatnot. Again, locally, nationally, it's like, all right, it's all over now. Party's done. Time to time to, you know, phone it in for the I just I don't understand the mentality. I just I just don't. Fortunately for me, just the Hornets. What's that, sorry? Read all my stuff on the website, and then you'll be all good. There you go. Just stick to Hornets.com, you'll be all good. I read all that, too, but I feel like I have to take in a variety of sources. In any case, the Hornets, fortunately for my sanity, have the same kind of mindset. They're, they're going to go after these Ws wherever they can find them. Team is 21-21 and 21 right now, and as things sit at the end of the night on Monday, the Hornets are solidly in sixth place in the Eastern Conference at 521-21. and 21. Half game out of fourth place, half game back of Miami and Atlanta. And, you know, despite the fact that NBA.com's power rankings just before the contest against San Antonio had them as one of the biggest drops in the rankings, falling five spots down to 20, this team still seems to be headed for, at the very least, the play-in tournament. The Eastern Conference is kind of finally separated to a solid three tiers. There's the top three teams, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. It doesn't look as if anyone's going to really be able to catch them and interrupt that top three. And then there is a, a bottom of the Eastern Conference that is separated out as well with Toronto, Cleveland, Washington, Orlando, and Detroit all playing sub 40% win, 400 winning percentage basketball. And then from four to 10, Everyone is separated by two and a half games. So anyone in that group can get hot for a week and end up in fourth, as we saw with Atlanta. And anyone in that group can get cold for a week and fall into 10th. But it appears, at least for now, as if that grouping has solidified itself. I'm going to defer just a little bit. I think Toronto kind of gets back into the conversation. I know they're not playing very well right now, but they just got too much talent. and I, I just think they'll find a way. So right now, then you'd be looking at 11 teams for 10 spots. I think everybody just wants a spot. Obviously, you want to be in that top six and avoid the playing game conversation, but there definitely seems to be some separation. I think you nailed it kind of with that first tier, middle tier. I think Detroit, Orlando, Washington, Cleveland are kind of, they're going to go on a run. They've got to do it soon kind of thing. So yeah, you know, I'm not a huge look at the playoffs, you know, at this point of the season person. I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's nice to kind of look on it. I know the East is kind of a little, there's a lot of teams kind of hovering around 500, but to look at there at this point of the season, over halfway through the Hornets are in sixth place. At the start of the day, you're playing the Bucks in the first round. Like, That'd be pretty cool. And that's what you want to do. These guys, you want to get into the later months of the season. April, May, I guess this year will be considered the later month of the regular season. You want to be playing meaningful games down the stretch. You know, that, that's fun. Those are fun games to watch. They're fun games to cover. And the players, they're fun games to play. You know, you have like a playoff-like atmosphere when you're jockeying for position towards the end. So it's been a while since the Hornets have had that. I think been kind of in the mix, not last year, but the three previous years, and never really had enough 
never really made a late charge. And then 2016 was a lot of fun, you know, going down the stretch and, and winning a bunch of games at home in, in May or in March, I guess that year. So just keep plugging away. You know, obviously it's a big obstacle to deal with Lamelo's injury, but the team, I, I firmly, I really believe they're going to find a way that they treat every game like they did against San Antonio last night. I understand the the mentality, the mindset to say, all right, it's too early to be scoreboard watching and to be looking at the standings in that measure. But then again, is it? Because there's 30 games left. So two months remaining in the season. Team has a four and a half game lead on the 11th place team with 30 left to go. Pretty good cushion, I would say. The hardest road trip is now in their rearview mirror. We all know that the May schedule is much, much more favorable to the Hornets than what's left in March and early April. At what stage, how many games remaining, would you say is the time that it becomes appropriate to watch the playoff standings and looking in that mindset and also count all those games and experiences as being the quote-unquote playoff experience that we all believe will greatly benefit the young nucleus of this team? Well, I mean, you can look at the standings whenever you want. I'm just talking about what I like to do. I think maybe, not necessarily a game, I'd say 15. That's uh, maybe 20 to 15 this year. It's a little bit different. Maybe kind of once the Hornets get through this, I don't know what the game count is, but after maybe they get through this big, long East Coast trip, after they come home for two games against Miami, I think they have another long East Coast, sort of West Coast trip with an Oklahoma City game in there. Kind of see where you come back. And then you're in mid-April. Then you're about five weeks out. Then you can kind of start looking at it. And then you can start looking at things like head-to-head matchups and winning season series with teams. I think that ends up being the tiebreaker. Um, you know, if you can win a season series with the Hawks, they're already up 2 nothing. If you can win one with the Bulls, I think they're down 0-1 or something. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I think starts coming into play. When you start looking at those matchups, okay, now we're going to jump ahead of this team at the end of the year. So, yeah, you can look at the stains whenever you want. I just, I don't know. I think I'm superstitious. I think it just comes down to superstitious. If I watch it too long, something's going to happen. And I'm just like, you know, JB said, focus on one game at a time. Fair enough. So Sam says we can really look that closely at the standings after the big, long East Eastern Conference trip is over. So that would start April 10th. We're allowed to look at the standings in that way with 21 games left to go. Right now there's 30 games remaining and just so you know all the facts, team is four and a half games up on the 11th place team Toronto. So four and a half game cushion within the playoff bubble. And in terms of the top six who are safe from playing in the play-in standings, Hornets currently reside at that level. Just a half game back of Miami and Atlanta for fourth and a half game in front of the Knicks and Celtics to hold on to that top six spot. No matter what, it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch. We, of course, wish for a speedy recovery for LaMelo Ball. And and who knows, maybe we'll get some good news. And um, whenever someone says someone is out for a season, I always like to ask, well, how how long exactly is that? Because, you know, if you pull a hamstring with one game left in the season, you're technically out for the season, but it's not a season-ending injury, quote-unquote. I would really love to hear, once the, the full diagnosis is out, is this a two-month injury or is this a, you know, it's not a season-ending injury in the sense that, like, a torn ACL is a season-ending injury. That is a months-long recovery process. It is going to take that many months. There is no chance someone comes back from that in that quick of an amount of time. We have no idea how long this injury is. We know it's a significant one, but it would be interesting to hear just how many months or weeks or whatever it is the prognosis is for a return for LaMelo Ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of important to pinpoint here. Thankfully, this is not something to a lower extremity, like a knee or a foot or something like that. 
and you can still kind of keep the condition, the cardio up. Um, obviously, we talked a lot with Cody Zeller earlier in the year when he has a broken hand, and he can do everything. You just can't really shoot, and that's kind of the biggest thing. You can't shoot, and you can't obviously handle a basketball, but you can kind of still stay in shape best you can with you know running on treadmill things like that so you know hopefully it's it's good news you know i never know these things have a way of working out sometimes and who knows you know maybe if it's a two-month injury lo and behold come playoff time hornets are sitting there at maybe six seven seed and lo and behold he's ready to play again i mean that'd be, that would be pretty cool to get him back kind of right at some of those big time games there at the end of may start but who knows you know what we're not we're not doctors we're just we're just two guys talking on a podcast right now so yeah let's pray for good news and uh but again i think the team has responded well without him so far and hopefully it continues absolutely also good news that Lamelo seems to be more of a movie guy less of a video game guy because we want to you know you can handle a remote with your offhand with your non-injured hand Video games get very difficult. Got to protect the wrist. All about the recovery. That's going to do it for this edition of the HHC. Sam Purley, coordinator of digital media content for the Hornets. Read all of his great work on Hornets.com. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Yep, thank you again for having me. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll have another podcast tomorrow previewing the matchup with the Houston Rockets, who, oh, by the way, their long, arduous journey for a win has finally come to an end. Uh, They got a victory last night, same night that the Hornets beat the San Antonio Spurs. They beat Toronto 117-99, to so their 20 games of misery are over, and we'll see if the Hornets can uh, put them back in the loss column again tomorrow. We'll preview that game for you tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Till then, for Sam Purley, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.